Hey, what's up, everybody? Joe here from Metro Praise International. I was going to make this video just for our leaders at the church, and then I decided, I said, why not just do this live, and then I can post it here on my personal page, the church page, and of course, with the leaders. Well, let me just take a few moments to tell you what is going on in our church. So our church is doing great. It's growing. It's getting to be close to about 300 people in two services. Uh, the first service can have anywhere to around 100 to 125 people, uh, including children. And the second service can have anywhere from 125 to 150-ish. So uh, you take that, you get close to about 300, and of course you don't always have people every week. So uh, our church has been doing great, uh, typical uh, kind of church, about an hour and a half long. We have two services, 9 and 11. And uh, the typical way we've done it is children, uh, 10 and under, would come with their parents, go into a back room, and uh, that would be our children's area, and it would be broken up into different sections, uh, nursery for the children, 1 and under, uh, for the toddlers, and then for the school-age children, so on and so forth. Uh, the school-age children would come to the worship time, and then after that, they would go back in there. So they would start in there, school-age children would come out, that's basically about 5 to 10-year-olds, then they would worship with us and then go back in. Uh, so everything was going great, doing good. On average, uh, in the first service, we could have anywhere between 25 to 40 children, and in the second service, we could have anywhere to, you know, uh, 35 to 60, just depending on what's going on that day. I mean, you have a lot of uh, big families in our church. And so basically we were just doing everything like that. Well, my wife and I began to have moments of, of sensing that the family should be in church together. And so we did something like that for Christmas and uh, for certain special services, we would do that. And then on Wednesdays, which is our children's program, uh, we would have them all in there. And uh, we just began to realize that there was something very important that was happening when parents would be with their children. So I began to look back into the scriptures. And those of you who know me, I'm just all about the Bible. What's the methodology of Jesus? If he did it this way, I want to do it. I mean, we, we oftentimes forget Jesus lived in a culture where he ate with his hands and he used the bathroom with his hands. You know, he wiped himself with his hands. And so we always kind of uh, filter it through our 21st century uh, glasses. But I always like to go back to the Bible and say, what were they doing and if it wasn't just a cultural thing, like, you know, wiping yourself with your hands or using uh, your hands to eat food, I want to really keep to it, you know, especially things like evangelism, discipleship, church order. And that's why we do elders and deacons with the fivefold ministry gifts within their lives. So we don't just necessarily have a pastor. We have many pastors. We have many teachers, etc. But we have elders and deacons that meet those roles. And then from there, they pastor. So elders, pastor, elders, evangelize, elders are prophets, etc. And so that's kind of the way we looked at it when it came to church government, discipleship, and so forth. Well, one of the big questions is, what do you do with children in church? Well, I began to realize that even from the Old Testament times, it was always taken for granted that you would have children in synagogue or around the synagogue, or you would have them uh, in the hearing of the people of Israel uh, as they would be given commands by Moses and so forth. And then in the early church, uh, Jesus starting um, the new covenant, having children around him. Oftentimes we forget the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000. Uh, what do we even think is going on there? I mean, that's men, women, and children. And we'll see that pattern here in Deuteronomy in just a moment. 
but I do want to give some uh, helpful hints here. And uh, this is not necessarily just for people who are joining me live. This is going to be a video that I'm going to have on the website and on our page for references. And then my notes will be attached to this so you can actually see what I'm saying. Well, what I want us to do is first look at what we would do if Jesus came to our church. So imagine if Jesus came to our church on Sunday and he comes into the sanctuary and he starts to look around and he goes, uh, Joe, where are your children? Joe, I mean, uh, I just saw you with your children. Where are they now? You know, I go, well, Jesus, they're in the back, you know. Um, and, and imagine if we said to him, well, Jesus, you know, that's the way we do it. That's the best way. You know, they're going to learn age appropriate things. Well, I think Jesus would say something like, well, uh, bring the children to me. I want them here too. I want to teach them. I want them to be present. I don't consider them a distraction. I actually want to see you with them and I want to see you interacting with them. And so imagine then after he said that, we would say something back to him like, well, Jesus, uh, this is the 21st century. We don't necessarily put our children in the same room as adults. Uh, we know child developmental things now. Uh, this is not going to be the best thing for them. I think Jesus would lovingly say back to that kind of a response, um, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And of course, that comes from Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. And so that began to weigh upon me is, if Jesus would come and want the children, why as I as a pastor wouldn't want the children? And so I should want the children. Now, a lot of people may think this comes easy for me or somehow uh, because Joe is a super dad or they have a super family homeschool and Joe works from home and he's around the kids a lot. There's a different set of rules for them and it's really easy. Well, that's not necessarily true. Our family may have it uh, easier in some ways to develop order but order nonetheless has to be developed. Uh, you have to build a great family. Great families just aren't born. Uh, you just don't get them, you know, just because you got married or you have children. Uh, great families are made. A lot of people have asked me to write on uh, my views on the family and so forth. I want to do that after they're all grown and have left the house. And then there will be no more excuses from everybody. Uh, you know, because when I was married, uh, before I was married and I had views on marriage, people said, oh, when you get married, that will all change. Your wife won't want to do that, you know. Uh, but then I got married and then people were like, well, maybe uh, your wife will because Nancy's pretty awesome. And then we said about uh, how we want to have about 12 children in homeschool. And the people said, oh, once you have your first, you'll never do that. And so once we started having children, we were able, able to prove them wrong on that. And then right now, you know, people are saying because my, I have five um, and the sixth is in, our, is, is in my wife's womb. Uh, she, uh, our boys do in August. And, uh, you know, uh, people now say, because my oldest is nine, they say, well, wait, they become teenagers, wait, they become independent, so forth. So I just want to wait till all my children are older and graduated. And then I can say, see, ta-da, God actually keeps his word. If you raise a child in the way that they should go, uh, when they're old, they won't depart. So that's why I haven't written on it. But from time to time, I do share with the parents in our church, as the Bible commands in Titus, uh, I share older men with the younger men, older women, my wife with the younger women. And uh, by the way, my wife's out with the kids, grandparents are in right now. My parents came in for Bariqua Fest. I would love to have my wife do this, but I thought I would just do it because I came back from my bike ride and all these thoughts were in my head. Okay, so the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, do we want our children in church? Is that something we even want? 
So for me, I want that. Though it's not easy to desire it, I have grown into this, and that's why I was saying all of this. Uh, I have changed over the years. So when I started pastoring as a 22-year-old man with no kids, of course, naturally, I want children in another room. That's going to disrupt my train of thought. I like things quiet. I'm a deep thinker. I talk uh, and I go quickly through subjects. I want feedback. Uh, Have children in another room. That's disruptive. But I began to realize as I had children that I actually love my children with me. That doesn't mean that they're not disruptive at times or or having issues, but it just means that I want them with me. And I began to notice that with others. Well, when we look to the Bible, that's actually a goal that we should have. So if we look to Deuteronomy, which is uh, the dudo saying again, the dutor rather, the saying again of the anomy, the, the law of God, saying the law again is what Deuteronomy means. God says at the end of the book, in chapter 31, Deuteronomy chapter 31, 9 and onward, he says, so Moses wrote down this law, gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, this is what Moses said, on behalf of what the Lord had told him, at the end of every seven years, in the year for canceling debts, so this uh, this year of canceling debts every seven years, During the festival of tabernacles, when all Israel comes before the Lord your God at the place he has, he will choose, you will read this law before them in their hearing. Now, I want you to understand, uh, they're not just going to have weekly services or weekly synagogue meetings or weekly times of teaching their children. He's saying every seven years, I want you to read the entire thing. That can take a while. That's 613 laws. And if it's meaning 613 laws as given in the book of Deuteronomy, he's literally saying, I want you to read the whole book of Deuteronomy. And that would take hours if you're reading it at a general reading pace. That's going to take a long time. That's 30 plus chapters, right? So he says, I want you to do this before everyone. Verse 12, assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your town so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not obey this law must hear it and learn it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And so part of that is to really make sure your children get it. So you're going to have them sit through this entire long service. It's not going to be every time they get together, but every seven years, there's going to be a long hour and hours and hours of teaching so they can get it so they make so specifically your children can obey it well part of the law that they were already given was in deuteronomy eleven nineteen, and it says teach these things uh, these moral codes basically teach these laws to your children talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up now this is reiterated once again in the gospel when Jesus is saying, everybody come to me. He is now initiating a new covenant. So as it was in the old covenant is as it is in the new covenant. In the old covenant, everybody had to get together and hear everything. Now in the new covenant, they have to get together and hear everything. And hence, you find Jesus in these predicaments where it's taken him two to three days to explain everything. And that may be how long it even would have taken back then. Who knows? We know it was part of their festival, so it might have been hours, it might have been days. But Jesus even explaining the new covenant, 
we find out that they end up going hungry and they're so far away from the towns they can't even get there without starving or fainting, etc. on two different occasions. So he has to do miracles to feed the 5,000 and the 4,000. So Jesus was used to this. This was not a problem for him. Now in the New Testament setting with the church, they had house churches. And so in the homes, they're meeting together with the, the children and they're all there gathered together. And Ephesians chapter six, verse one is actually addressed to the children. It says, children, obey your parents. So imagine you're in the church of Ephesus, the house church that Paul has started. Now you're there and you're a child and you hear this. Well, what are you being told? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is the first commandment with the promise, referring back to the law of Moses that they were given the Israelites so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So let's just go back to that first question that I think we need to answer. Do we want to have our children with us? Um, you know, there's different objections that come up. Some people say, well, they, they may not understand everything. My friends, they don't understand everything in a children's service either. I talk to my Zoe, who's four years old, and she used to be three, obviously, Excuse me, I used to talk to her all the time. She didn't know what in the world she was learning, coloring, doing whatever. Um, so it's not necessarily can they retain everything or even if it's captivating to them. The idea is, are they in the presence of the Lord being trained with their parents? So first and foremost, we have to ask, do we want to do that? Not is it fun for them in the sense, is it going to be equal in fun activity as going to Disney World or being in the back of, uh, you know, some of these churches have these huge Disney World-like complexes for their children's ministry on Sunday. Is it going to be the same in that? No, but is it supposed to be uh, for that purpose? Is bringing our children to church for the purpose of them having a Disney World experience. No, uh, the purpose is for them to be trained and instructed. The purpose is just for them to hear it and to, to obey it. And so I began to be convicted over that. I know my children can get that in another setting away from me and what is known as children's church. And let's make sure we differentiate between Sunday school and children's church. Sunday school is something that can happen before or after church as a class children's church is what actually is happening during church. Sunday school and catechisms and learning the scriptures before or after a church service are wonderful. We still do that. We call them life groups. We have them on Wednesdays for our children, 6.30 to 8 at the church. We have around 60 children that come out every week. They do these programs. They learn scriptures. They get badges, etc. It's awesome. We also have a youth service 11 to 18 year olds on Friday nights, and then they even have their own life groups, even a subdivision of that. So, I mean, yes, 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 for all of those things. But church should be for everyone. So we have to ask ourselves, do we want to have church? Do we want to have church in the way they did in the Old Testament and in the way they did with Jesus and the way they did with the apostles? Now, I want to do that. So do I want to make that most enjoyable for my child? Absolutely. So that's where I'm going to get into some of my hints here. Uh, and I'm just running about 15 minutes right now. And maybe another 15 minutes will be done. So this will be a half hour uh, talking here that you can refer your friends to and the church can have as a resource. So the idea is I'm supposed to do this not because it's the funnest thing, but because God prescribed it as the best thing. The best thing is 
for me to be in church with my children. Now, what are some hints to make that experience the best for those involved, for children involved in that experience and for the parents? Well, the first thing is, is we need to take off of ourselves the yoke or the burden of trying to make a church uh, a quiet museum that we cannot have any kind of noise or movement. Now, we shouldn't uh, just have all kinds of disruptions, but it's okay if we have children and they're fidgety or restless or parents have to talk to children, so forth. That should not be uncommon to us. So we should be okay with that. And then we should be okay with still learning in that environment. Because once again, the day of the Lord, the time that we set aside once a week for Jesus to be taught like this should be very important to us. So let me just give a couple helpful hints. These will be on the website, on Facebook, etc. You can look through them. Um, let's start with infant to 18 months. Now I know everybody's going to look at child development a little differently, but let me just make three categories here. Infant to 18 months. 18 months of three-year-olds and four and five-year-olds. Let me just hit on those categories right there. In 18, uh, infant to 18 months, what you're basically doing is you're nurturing a child, or in the Bible sense, you're weaning a child. You're having them be quite, they're, they're quite codependent upon you. You're in a very symbiotic relationship to them. And that's okay. That's a wonderful time to have your child be with you in a church service because that infant to 18 month is going to be with you wherever you go anyway, right? So if you have a carrying strap on you, you sit them there, you sit down. I mean, that's, that's what you'd be doing at home or you put them next to you in your arms. Uh, our church doesn't prefer to have uh, things to set them down on because we don't want people to trip on baby carriages or, or car seats. So we ask that you would leave that in the car, but you know, you make room and you hold, you hold your child. Well, what happens if the child uh, starts to fuss and cry? Well, I would say as a parent that within 30, to seconds, 30 seconds to 60 seconds, you pretty much know what kind of cry it is. Is it a cry where the child just needs a little minor adjustment, uh, maybe just some type of consoling and then everything's going to settle down? Or is this child basically expressing a need that's important to him or her? If the child doesn't let up after, say, 60, 90 seconds, you now know you have to do something. Uh, well, generally, it's going to be three things you're going to have to do. Number one, check to see if your child needs a diaper change. Same thing that you would do at home. Do it at church. Oh, does my child need a diaper change? Maybe she or you know, this child here, she's uncomfortable right now because of the, the, the waste that's in their diaper. Well, both of our bathrooms, one in the child's area in the back that uh, we have there or in the sanctuary has a table uh, there, a table that comes down, a changing station for you to change your child's diaper. If you have more than one child and you're a single parent, you can ask uh, one of the workers of the church to watch your children in service. Our workers are always there with a badge. You can make them aware of this beforehand. Hey, is it okay if I call on you to come sit next to my kids if I have to go change one of them? No problem, right? See, there's, there's a real easy solution to that. We still want to be a part of that process if we can help or if your husband is there or you want to give the child to your husband, vice versa, whatever, you know how to do that. Uh, the second thing is, is your child hungry? Well, we shouldn't have to always feed our children to subdue them into some kind of food coma. But feeding a child is often just what is best for them because they're 
crying to let you know they're hungry. You know their, their feeding schedule. Sometimes they may need a snack throughout the day. If you're breastfeeding, you can do it in the service, you know, uh, right there. I'm sure that you would do it appropriately and not make attention to yourself. We don't find that to be strange in our church. Or you can go into the lobby or into the children's rooms that we have there. We do have children's rooms that we have available for parents on Sunday if they need it. Uh, there'll always be a worker there just to monitor the room to see if you need any help with anything. And so you could go back there and breastfeed. Uh, the next thing is maybe your child just needs to change their position or to stretch. If they're getting to the year mark, maybe they just want to walk around a little bit. You can do that there between your chairs. You can do that in the lobby, in the children's area, and you can bring them back to that comfort area. So from infant to 18 months and they're fussy or they're crying, you give it a few moments uh, and then you're going to make a move. You're going to make a decision what needs to be done. For me personally, I don't prefer crying children that cannot be consoled when I'm trying to teach. But if you have done everything you can, we're not going to be judgmental and put you out in any way. That's just is what she, I mean. That's just the situation you have at that moment. Uh, but yeah, for Nancy and I, if we're in a restaurant or we're somewhere and we recognize, okay, 60 seconds, 90 seconds have passed by, we're going to start looking for stuff. You know, we're going to try to ease this situation, being mindful of people around us. That's what we're going to do. But uh, the idea is to resolve the situation and to come back into the church. And in our back uh, area, we're going to have the live feed back there. Uh, we're considering possibly having the see-through windows from our sanctuary to our children's area. We do have a way to do that used to be a restaurant, the building we're in right now, and they might have had a serving area there, but we have our posters there for our vision, but we may consider doing that. But uh, we would rather, I think right now, just have the live feed, just to make it real simple. Down, we don't have to do any construction right now for that. And uh, you can utilize that and still be a part of the service. Uh, the next thing is 18 months to three years old. Uh, this is that age that you want to begin to start teaching them self-control. And maybe even a little bit earlier, right around a year, I start teaching my children self-control in different ways. But definitely by the time they're 18 months, getting into that toddler age, two years old and those things. I know a lot of times people uh, talk about the terrible twos. We've not really experienced that, but we have experienced more challenges at that time. But uh, child development experts have said that it's actually during this time that the child is developing their personality the most, that they're really uh, learning uh, what is going to be their expression of their needs. Uh, you will see this follow them into their young uh, adulthood if it's uh, positive or negative. And so we really want to take this, this time from 18 months to three years old to really be the formative years of their personality. And so what I begin to do is help teach them certain words, certain symbols. This, this one means stop. Um, we talk about da-da's, da-da, and we'll just tap the hand, da-da, not good. And, you know, as you can see, my eyebrows, I take a stern look with the finger. No, you didn't listen, da-da. And then as they get older into that two-year-old and three-year-old, we begin to express to them the positive and negative effects of their behavior, the consequences. And so a lot of times during this age, we're giving them the timeouts, we're withholding the treats, or we're giving them the treats. And so parents, you have a lot of opportunities to teach your children how to behave by implementing uh, consequences, both positive and negative. Uh, one of my favorite things is treats. I teach them the word treat, show them the M&M, you did so good, here's a treat. When they don't come to daddy or they don't listen, they don't get the treat. No treat for you. You have to listen next time, you know, and then 
will give them those teachable moments. And so a lot of parents during this stage, I really feel like the squirminess can be the problem because the child can be a little bit harder to handle, not so much as the infant or the young, uh, you know, suckling child. Uh, most of the time, children aren't being breastfed at this time. They're able to walk and move around. And so they can be quite a handful. But I want to encourage you to start to do what we would call uh, self-control time, even at home by yourself. So what you're going to experience at church is going to be no different than what you're already experiencing at home. So some of the things you have to ask yourself is, do I want a child that's 18 months uh, to three years old that can sit down, that can uh, listen to something being said, even if they don't understand all the words, but can actually sit and participate, watch a TV show with us, eat a dinner with us. And so right now I have joy. She's going to turn two years old in August. Uh, I held her for almost 20 minutes in the service. I mean, children can learn to do this, not saying she's not fussy or doesn't have issues, but she can eat on her own now without really being fussy. She can sit with us and watch America's Got Talent. And so one of the ways we teach her to do that is to give her her own time on an area about the size of, a, of an area rug. And we give her one or two toys and we say, stay there and play. We stay within distance to where we can see if she has a need, but we teach her to have self-control time. And if she tries to get out of that area, we gently put her back and then we'll say, stay here, play, etc. Now, that might be hard for you at first uh, to have control time with your toddler or your three-year-old. But the question is, do you want that? So once again, church will be a part of your learning uh, together with the child to do that. So all of my children all by the age of 18 months, can sit and eat a meal with us. All of them by 18 months can watch TV shows with us. All of them can be held in my arms and I can walk them up and down uh, while I'm preaching. And you can look at the last video. I held her second, uh, last service, second service. I held a Joy uh, around uh, whatever she is right now, 22 months, held her the entire time in my arms. So you have to ask yourself like, Am I, am I having problems at home that are following to the church? Because the church is not really the problem. It's, it's, it's how you're getting the child to have self-control time. Because you should be, by 18 months, be able to hold your child, uh, be able to be with them in a contained environment and have them express their needs without always having a fit. You should be able to do that. Uh, we're not going to judge you if you can't. If you need to go into the lobby or the back room, it's also available for you. But I would really start implementing the positive rewards for those children. So uh, most of the time, the children that I see in the church that uh, are not catching this, their parents are giving ice cream way too easily, doing McDonald's way too easy. A two-year-old, a three-year-old can easily understand the difference between a McDonald's meal, a, uh, an ice cream. And so I begin to teach them, you won't get this. You, and you'd be surprised how much they can retain. But I teach them, you won't get this unless you do this. And uh, you know, it's not always easy, but it's worth it because guess what you're going to do? If you do this just for these few years, you know, 18 months to three years old, you're going to reap that in your four and five-year-old as I get to my last example here. And uh, yeah, just running uh, just a little bit uh, short on time here. But let me just say this because I want to keep this at a half hour. By the time you get them to four or five, you should easily be able to tell them what you expect for them to have rewards and punishments set up, to be able to use your fingers and they know what's going on or looks and those different things. And then for them to begin to start asking questions and understanding what's, what God is doing in these God moments. Couple quick things. Um, if you need help, 
All the women of the church are to help. Men, if you need help, come to the men as well. But I know women, you're like, oh, you husbands, you make it look so easy. Well, okay, talk to my wife, talk to Sue Allen, talk to Griselda, talk to Lauren, etc. cetera. Uh, our, our women in the church would love to help you. Uh, but let me just say this quickly. If your child is special needs or has developmental issues, even more so to start practicing these things. Uh, I'm not a child development expert, though I've been a pastor for quite some time with children. I'm an expert pastor, expert father, as someone might say, but with five kids, you know. But uh, listen to child development experts and listen to how they're helping you instruct your child. Uh, of course, there has to be room for the child to move around or to have their moments. But I guarantee you, when you talk to the child development expert, they're going to want your child to listen and obey to your hand signals or to your facial expressions, to be able to sit with you. Now, some may disagree on the length of time they can sit with you. In our church, the whole service start to finish about an hour and a half. First half hour or so is singing and jumping and, and loud and, and that's wonderful movement. No one's going to notice anything. Uh, the next uh, 10 minutes is an announcement and there's music in the background and there can be time of movement. And I would even suggest helping them go down to the front and drop off an offering or stretch out their legs. But the last 30 or 40 minutes is where you really want to focus on that time so you can enjoy it, your neighbor can enjoy it, and they can enjoy it. Even special needs children. When I see children misbehave, not uh, that, that, that I'm talking specifically just about special needs children because most of the time they're developmentally challenged. They don't know it's misbehaving, but they can be taught. Most children can be taught lovingly over time, gently, but especially those without the special needs. When I see them throwing fits and not being able to have self-control, I see it torments them. And that gets me as a pastor because I know the parents just quite don't know how to turn that leaf over to have them be functional. And it torments them in the grocery store, it torments them when they're out with their friends having a dinner and the child slams down their hands on the plate or throws a fork or something and they're embarrassed. And it torments the child too because you can see the child, ah, you know, three or four year old child ah, throwing themselves on the ground. If you practice this at home, and you listen to the expert's advice, you hear your pastor's heart, what Sunday will become is not only a blessing spiritually, but you'll see it play out in their everyday life. Because if you had your wish, come on, if you had your wish, would you want your child by the age of four or five to be able to come every week to sit down in a great church service and sing songs, learn scriptures and have fun. Would you want that? I'm sure you would. So let's set that as a goal. Let's set that as a goal and help work towards it as a church. And as you're learning that, we're here to help you. So let me give you 10 helpful hints here in the last few moments that I have. Uh, and once again, thank you guys for joining live. But this was more just an instructional video that I was making for our leaders that I was going to do for them. And I said, why not just make it live and put out here for everybody? And then I will take questions at the end if anybody has uh, any questions. Let me give these 10 helpful hints here at the end. Uh, use uh, the fast worship time to release some of their controlled energy. Uh, use that to have controlled energy release and to be loud. Have them shout. Have them jump. We do it for about five to ten minutes every week. Have them clap their hands. You know, have them get excited. Let them release some of that energy. Uh, during the slow songs, help them move back and forth. Uh, teach them to raise their hands. Uh, help them to go to their knees and to just pray out loud. Whisper prayers in their ears. Worship time is a great time for you to do that. 30 minutes of it's okay to be noisy in one way. Once again, not disruptive, 
but to, to talk or to shout or to clap. Uh, during the announcements in our church, music playing on in the background, uh, let them know what applies to them. Kind of whisper in their ear, hey, that's for you. Wednesday, King's Kids, when you hear it announced, shout really loud, you know, those kinds of things. During the offering, have them get up, stretch, pick them up, kiss them a little bit. The older ones that can walk, give them a dollar every week. Give them a dollar. Mark it on the envelope, missions. Have them give it to missions every week. Walk them down there, drop it in the bucket, come back to your seat. Come on. Uh, during the message, during that time when quietness is going to be expected, self-control, uh, use hand signals with those that can listen. Be aware of your surroundings. Be free to walk into the back or to the cry room in the children's area or lobby, you know, but start to develop a pattern of them being quiet. Don't be so reliant upon technology or coloring or eating snacks the whole time. Start to wane them off of those things so that they can be attentive. If they fall asleep, gently wake them up and say, let's pay attention. Maybe teach them before and after to use their imagination and say, uh, think of yourself being on the mountainside with Jesus or in a home church with Paul and ask him to do that on the way to church. And then after church, say, hey, what did you learn from Jesus today? Something like that. You know, once again, my children are ages nine, eight, six, four, and one. So I'm using all of these tricks. Uh, use the bathroom to change diapers. Uh, don't feel like you got to keep a stinky diaper on you. Go into the bathroom, drop it like it's hot. Breastfeed where you're at if, if you want to do that or in the lobby or in the children's area. Use the back room as much as you need as well as the bathroom. You got it. And if you need to help, look for somebody with a name tag on. Uh, remember to prep them before and to reward them afterwards. Prep your children throughout the week. Say, hey, we're going to go to church Sunday. You guys are going to be sitting with us and we want to make sure you guys are ready. So let's practice now. We're going to have family devotions now. We're going to eat dinner quietly, controlled talking, and then we're going to have a time of reading the Bible, memorization, and singing songs. I think by practicing and prepping my kids throughout family devotion so often that it made it easier for them to transition, okay? And so practice with them at home. Are you doing family devotions right now? If not, get one done before Sunday. Sit down with them around the table, have a family meal. It doesn't even have to be in the evening. Do it for breakfast if that's the easiest before dad goes to work or if you're a single mom before you take them to you know everything, the school and you gotta go to job. Do it at five in the morning. Just, we're gonna eat. And we're going to read the Bible and then reward them, reward them, reward them. Do not just give out rewards to your children without them understanding that these are not deserved. Our children deserve love and care and attention and food and, and water and shelter and clothes and cleanliness and protection, uh, but they don't always deserve ice cream and McDonald's and a special Netflix movies night and, uh, you know, that new toy. They don't always deserve that. So tie in your rewards to good behavior and I promise you, you're going to go to ice cream anyways, right? But now you're going to tie it to good behavior. You were going to buy that toy anyway, but now tie it to good behavior and prep them for that. Here are two good books. I have them on the notes. You can also check them out if you want to learn more. Uh, one's written by a woman. One's written by a man. Parenting in the Pew. Parenting in the Pew by Robbie 
Castleman. That's written by a woman. I believe her name is Robbie Castleman. And then The Nursery of the Holy Spirit. The Nursery of the Holy Spirit by Daniel Hyde. So any questions before I let you guys go? A little bit over a half hour. We'll have this on our website. We'll have this on our Facebook page. The notes will be here. It's going to be in blog form on the website, so it won't get forgotten easily. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure as a church we're doing this for you. So just to kind of review, if Jesus came to the church, what would he say? I think Jesus would say, where are the children? Bring them to me. If we said they're going to be distracting, they're going to be all of this, I think Jesus would say, don't hinder them. Let's do it with them and then learn how to help them, to train them. We showed you in the Old Testament that the covenant had to be read to them every seven years and that it had to be taught to them on a daily basis and be a part of their synagogue of worship. We see that it was a part of Jesus's lifestyle of teaching the new covenant, hence the feeding of 5,000 and 4,000 because he kept them out there for days preaching to them. We see that children were a part of the New Testament church. Paul actually addresses them in the book of Ephesians, children, obey your parents. And then we kind of broke down the age groups and gave you helpful hints for infants to 18 months. Basically, ask yourself the questions, what do they need to help them be calm and to be uh, uh, happy in life? You know, do they need a diaper change? Do they need a feeding or do they just need to be stretched or walked around a little bit? Nothing wrong with that at all. 18 month to three year old, are you beginning to do quiet time with them, control time? Can they sit with you? Can they be held with you? Can they be consoled? Can they understand treats? Can they understand at least uh, what you're trying to teach them, not only in church, but in the home and at dinner tables? And then four and five years old, are you really going out of your way to teach them and instruct them to memorize scripture, to sing the songs, to kneel and pray, and then to be rewarded accordingly to their behavior. And last but not least, we have a Wednesday's children's ministry just for them, them called King's Kids, where we do Royal Rangers and Impacts, like Boy Scout, Girl Scouts for Jesus, where they can get raised up and learn these kinds of things in an environment that's tailored just for them. And we do a lot of fun things there. But remember, church is not just about them having fun. I want them to have fun, but the first primary focus is for them to be trained. So let me say this in closing because I don't see any real questions right now. Let me just say this in closing. If you don't see as a parent your job in church as a, is a part of training, then you need to go back over those three scriptures I gave you, two in Deuteronomy and one in Ephesians, and those speak directly to you training in church. So this is not necessarily a Bible class or a business meeting for the church. This is literally church where we get trained and we immediately train our children. And the first things we have to train them in is appreciating the environment they're in. That to appreciate this environment is an environment where we all sing songs, worship, learn from God. That's the first training. So if dad has to hold the child, kind of pinch, gently pinch, to give a signal of this. Um, uh, a disapproval of an action, that parent is doing so much for that child right there. Why? Because then they can implement it at home. They can expect them to do it at school, so forth and so on. Uh, here's a question right here. What age do you think is important to start teaching stuff like this? As soon as they can talk and as soon as you know that they can listen. So for us, it is right around 18 months old, if not a little bit sooner, um, a year even. So for us, we are inviting all children into the church, every age. So there will be no separate children's church for them. 
So we want all children to be with us. And then the teaching, my wife and I, we always talk about this when we see them check in. Um, we normally see our children check in right around 14 months uh, to 18 months. They just check in. Like, you know they're listening now when you talk. And they try to start saying words back to you. And uh, you guys can see, like I said, in my second service, me holding Joy. She's uh, about 20 months now. She's, she was actually held in our Christmas service. So that was about 14 months before. Uh, that was about four months ago, whatever. Uh, so just between 14 and 18 months. And, uh, you know, that light da does, light da does. A lot of times people think I spank a lot. I really don't. I reserve spanking for right around two and a half, three years old. Light hand swats. A four or five and up, maybe a little bit of a spoon, uh, underwear so that it kind of, you know, blocks it a little bit, sometimes over the pants. One to three at the most, and I don't do it often. Uh, for us, it is primarily uh, timeouts and then treats. I teach them treats very early on. You obey, you get a treat. So right now, Joy, who's our youngest, who's about uh, 20 months old, she understands treats. And we will withhold treats multiple times throughout the day through disobedience and give them multiple times throughout the day for obedience. So think of a little jar of M&Ms. Uh, if mommy and daddy are talking and we say, no, Joy, not right now. And she kind of goes on her own. Oh, Joy, good job. We give her a little M&M. If she doesn't, we'll say no M&M for you. No M&M. And sometimes as a teachable moment, I'll actually be M&M for Lucas. Luke, you know, who's even older, but I'll be like, Lucas, listen, just so she knows, Lucas got something she didn't. And so that's my way of teaching her. Um, those are the kinds of things that we do. And over time, like I said, over time, they come through. By the time they're four or five, you should have them prepared for this. Because as most child development experts say, 18 months to three years old is pivotal. So if right now you're not seeing these growth marks in your children, it's not just in church, right? You're seeing this at home. Church is just a mirror of what's going on in your family life, well, then you need to back it up into your home life. And that's why I give uh, the idea of controlled time, controlled space. And if your child is always being chased after and they can't uh, sit or listen, no ice cream, no treats, especially if they're two or three, especially, oh, come on. I know two or three-year-olds understand. Now, once again, I've already said uh, developmental issues, those who may be autistic or on the spectrum, so forth, please consult with the experts that you're already working with. But I'm talking about gently raising up children to expect more from them. And uh, I think you know as a parent you can expect more. Because as I've said before, when those three-year-olds, uh, two, three two-and-a-half-year-olds start throwing fits, they know what they're doing. They, they're trying to get their way. So any other questions? Okay, uh, we see uh, Diana saying she's been applying this lately. Awesome, well, I'm gonna post this up everywhere I possibly can on the website, on our church page, with the notes, with the links for the books. Would you please pray for us as a church as we continue to transition this way, that families will find the joy of training their children with us in Sunday service, that the uh, church will continue to hear the word of God, be raised up to make disciples, and that even uh, our outreaches like Boricua Fest, where we bring them with us to reach the other families, Chicago will be one for the Lord. Amen. Thank you, and God bless you.